0: Hi, Chris Ballatin here. Welcome to my podcast, where I hope to inspire you to transform the world within you and transform the world around you. I'm excited to share this message with you today. I pray the Lord ministers to you as you listen. Do you have a knowing that you carry answers to impossible questions and improbable challenges inside of you? The truth is, we have access to the fount of all wisdom through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the capacity for brilliance that is beyond human reason and transcends logic The Solutionary Intensive is a 12-week course that will teach you a four-step process for gathering, analyzing, and implying intel received from the Holy Spirit to form practical solutions for leaders who have real challenges. Through coursework, you will grow in confidence in your ability to hear the voice of God, work with small teams to pursue the wisdom of God, and unlock heaven's solutions to serve society around you. Enrollment for the next cohort is now open and closes March 28th of 2023. You can learn more and register at www.thesqinstitute.com. How are you guys doing? How, how many of you are leftovers from the conference? You're leftover from the conference. Wow, that's awesome. Why don't you just stand up and let me just bless the ones that are leftovers from the conference. Yeah. Just reach your hands out to these folks right here. You know, uh, I want to tell you. Well, before you do that, you can put your hands down for a minute. I want to tell you a quick story, just can. You can stay standing, please. Um, our uh, when we were in Weirville, um, our elder team went to the Vineyard to for a pastors' conference, and Kathy and I were the only two on our elder team that didn't that couldn't go. And uh, you know, Bill's testimony about that conference is that. John Wimber was teaching the same things, but had completely different outcomes. Like people actually did get healed. <laughs> we didn't see anybody get healed, but we taught about it. And um, after each service, our, our, um, our prayer teams were the elders in that little church of 300, 250, whatever it was. And so every Sunday after uh, the preaching was over, we would come up. I think there was uh, uh, six couples and we would uh, be the, we'd be the prayer team. And so five of the six couples went to the Vineyard conference and came back the next weekend. And Kathy and I, as I said, were the only ones that didn't come. And so we're standing up here and there's obviously lines for prayer and everybody they pray for, every single person they prayed for that morning fell down. We we didn't even have catchers. We didn't. Never saw anybody fall down before. So they all fell down, but nobody on, nobody, Kathy and I prayed for fell down. Now, this isn't about falling down, right? It's about something got on them that wasn't on us. And uh, by the way, after that week, we had people standing behind people. were like, whoa, this is, I wonder how you keep people from dying. So... Um the next week was our elders meeting on Tuesday mornings, and I go, Hey guys, you know, it's a little discouraging. You guys brought back a virus that we haven't caught yet. Pray for us. So they prayed for Kathy and I, and the next Sunday we prayed, and everybody on the, everybody that came up went down in the spirit. And uh and then, you know, and then it was didn't it wasn't always like that every every Sunday. But my point is is that I could see that they went to a conference, but they got an impartation. And Bill's commentary is, they taught everything I taught, but they did things I couldn't do. And so I want to pray for y'all that are here, that you would actually catch this Holy Spirit virus, whatever it is. We don't even know what it is we're carrying, but it seems to be helping people. And if you're watching by Bethel TV, you can stand too and And if you're in the overflow rooms, please stand. But I'm going to pray for you, just that whatever it is God gave us, that he would give it to you. Freely we received, and we're just freely giving. So those of you that call Bethel home, just extend your hand to them. Lord, we just release right now a new anointing for a new season. In Jesus' name. Lord, we pray that when they get on the plane, things would happen on the plane. I mean in the plane, not you know it would be good smooth sailing but flying i guess but but that things would happen in the plane and you'd have you know uh strategically seated people uh, lord we pray when they get home people would be like what happened to you their children would actually like them again people would behave in their house their dogs would have puppies you know you'll just be blessed so blessed your finances would heal. Your bodies would be well. And we, just, we just release the blessing of the Lord. I was thinking about when, the, when were, David was trying to get the Ark of the Covenant into um, the tabernacle of David. And uh, Uriah reached out and touched it and he died. That's not the part of the story I was trying to tell. But they, turned the, the, they couldn't get it there, so they took it to Obed-Edom's house and it was there for three months. And it says that everything Obed-Edom did prospered. And he was so prosperous that word got back to David that hey, when the ark was at Obed-Edom's house, I mean, his kids started getting along, they all got off of drugs. I don't know if they got her on drugs, I was just joking about that. But I mean, like, it was so, it was so obvious that the presence of God was at Obed-Edom's house that David said, "We got to try again. We got to get the presence of God." And I pray that the Ark would come to your house and stay there. That your house would be a house that's blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. You can sit down. I have a, um, I don't know I have a teaching, but I also have this other stuff I got. I feel like God's healing the brokenhearted. When, um, when we were, um, you know, I've told my story so many times. My dad drowned when I was three, and we were raised by two, eventually two violent stepfathers. But my brother, who's actually my half-brother, was born eight years after me, and his our, my first stepfather was his father. And my mother divorced him when um, uh, eight years after marrying him. And my little brother was... Uh, Obviously, brokenhearted over that. And he used to... Uh, so my, my father had... My, his father had visiting rights on the weekends. But he was also an alcoholic. And so every weekend, he would call and say, I'm, I'm going to pick you up at like 5.30. So my little brother, who was, at the time, eight years old, he would go out. We had this little Superman suitcase. And we'd go out at like three, like two hours before he's supposed to, and sit on that suitcase. And then in three would come, and then four and five, and then six, and then seven, and then eight. And he finally fell asleep on that suitcase. And I'd go out like at 6.30 or 7 and say, hey, you know, something must have happened. Your dad's not coming. He'd say, my dad's coming. My dad's coming. But he never came. And I would bring him in on that Superman suitcase, carry him to bed. And we'd do that week after week, year after year. And sadly, my brother never recovered. I love him. He loves me. But he's never recovered. I I haven't remembered that story for a long, long time. But I feel like you know, I, I know what happens when you when you're abandoned or rejected by someone who's supposed to love you. And I look around in our culture and every day now you just you know, you look at the paper or I'd say media posts now and just see like more people were shot in schools and the malls and it's what happens when people are rejected? Especially by the people who are supposed to be loved with. And they become violent, shooters, self-hatred, angry, rebellious. Um, I think that what saved me, to be totally honest, is my grandfather loved me. He loved me so much that my other cousins despised him because his favoritism was so outrageous in my life. True story. I've never told that part of the story. It was like Joseph. like He so favored me. And from the time I was about seven, I knew what I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to be like my grandfather who owned the first service station in the Bay Area. My first business was a service station Not by surprise, because my grandfather was my hero. It just takes one lover to heal you. One lover to heal your heart. And often broken-hearted people and abused people build a bond of camaraderie by their common brokenness and not by their vision or nobility. And we have gangs and we have people. I'm convinced, I I mean this in the kindest and compassionate ways, I'm convinced that some of what's going on with the LGBTQ and people that seem that feel rejected, they bond together in a common sense of we're will bond together in our in our common rejection. And we'll build a bond against the people who rejected us. And I feel like God is healing the brokenhearted tonight. I have a completely different message. I don't even know what, what, what I'm going to do about that yet, but we'll just see where this goes. I feel like God wants to heal the brokenhearted. My brother's name is Kelly, and I, feel, I just felt tonight like there is a room full of Kellys in the room. You know, um, there's a misunderstood story in the Bible. I actually I wrote this book called Fashion to Rain. It's a book about empowering women. I actually got it wrong in the book. I hope to revise it. When Jesus meets the woman at the well, do you remember the story, the Samaritan woman? Yeah. And she, he tells her, you know, give me some water. Remember the whole story? And she says, you know, uh, who are you, a Jew, speaking to me, a Samaritan? And Jesus says to her, if you knew who was speaking to you, <laughs> you would ask me. And I'd give you living water. And right away, this is a smart woman. She says to him, you're not greater than our father, Jacob, are you? And she immediately goes from rejecting him to saying, we got the same dad. Wow. And he begins to talk to her. You know what's interesting to me? This is a side note, but just maybe it's encouraging for some women. You know the greatest revelations about the kingdom were told to women he gave the woman at the well a revelation about worship. None of the disciples. Yeah. He gave Mary and Martha the revelation about the resurrection. How do you know that? Because Martha repeats it back to him. <laughs> I know that you are the resurrection life. Yeah. They reject it. The do you know this? The most oppressed group, Jesus came to set the oppressed free. The most oppressed group of people in the first century were, were Jewish women. Anyway, the part where I'm going is, he says, go get your husband. Remember this part? And she says, I have no husband. And Jesus said, yeah, you had five husbands. And the one you have now isn't even, won't even marry you. And I always thought that this woman was a, I don't know what the right word is, promiscuous kind of, she's going from man to man living with another guy after being married five times. But then I realized that in that culture, women didn't divorce men, men divorce women. Jesus wasn't saying, you got an immoral life, just wanna let you know. He was actually saying, you were rejected five times and the one you're with right now, he won't even marry you. Jesus wasn't connecting with her sin, he was connecting with her rejection. He was saying, they may have all rejected you. The guy you have right now won't even connect with you. But I see you. I see your brokenness. I see that men have thrown you away like an old rag. But I know you. I see you. I love you. And I believe that God wants to heal the broken heart tonight. I know what it is to be broken hearted. I know what it is to be the only kid on the team, on the, on the playground that nobody wants to play with. I know what it's like to have a fantasy friend because you don't have a reality Father. And if you're broken hearted, I just want you to stand. I have a few that the Lord gave me. God's restoring the heart of a woman who has four kids and your husband ran off with another woman seven months ago. That's you, if you're in the room, please stand. I'm going to pray for you. There's a woman who was pregnant, and your husband suddenly passed away. I don't know who that is. There is a businessman, I believe, that's here, and your childhood friend was your business partner, but he betrayed you and left you in a mess. That's you, stand up, please. And I believe that the Lord wants to heal these men and women. let's just wait on the Lord for a moment I'll feel the Lord just telling me to tell you I see you I'm with you you thought you thought that I rejected you too but the Lord's like I don't reject you There's a few of you in here that you have addictions because you've tried to drown your pain. We all know what that's like. And the Lord is even breaking your addictions right now. Just breaking your addictions to alcohol and to drugs and to porn. Lord, I just release healing right now over this room. I pray, God, for your spirit Of freedom to rest on these people. I saw your heart like a mirror that someone dropped and it just shattered. You know, Humpty Dumpty, all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again, but the Lord does. The Lord. I saw the Lord take that mirror and he that was in a thousand pieces and he just scraped it up like a pile of glass and he began to speak to it and that glass began to vibrate in his hands and mold itself back together just as it was. Lord, I thank you that you're healing the self-image of people who were abandoned. People who said, well... If my dad abandoned me, then I must not be lovable. If my mother abandoned me, then I must not be lovable. If If my spouse abandoned me, I must not be lovable. And Lord, I just release your healing in this room and online and in the other rooms right now. Yeah, it's okay to pray for these people that are close to you. We just release right now the healing of the brokenhearted. You said you came to release the captives and heal the brokenhearted. And I just feel right now the Lord is healing even your self-identity. Even your self-identity. you know till I was 43 years old when I would come into the room of people I didn't know, I would tell my wife, who I've been with since she was 12, That person doesn't like me. That person doesn't like me. And she'd always say, why do you think they didn't like you? I can feel it. And my discernment turned into suspicion because I was brokenhearted. And I would reject people before they had a chance to reject me. Because it's so hard to love someone that won't love you back. And I just release right now the love of the Father. He says, I know you, I see you. Some of you have been divorced and that you come to church and you like you want to hide the fact you've been divorced. It's like I'm a leper in the church. You have failed. And some of you, your spouses left you for other people and you didn't even do anything wrong. But whether you did or not, I just thank you that Jesus is healing you right now. Things happen to people and you are not a leper, you are a loved daughter. You are a cherished son of God. And some of you have heard like, you'll never love again and I want to say, you will love again. You will dream again. You will love again. You will love again. I heard someone say just now in their spirit, yes, but it was my fault. Jesus forgives you, and he's healing your marriage. He's healing. he's healing your heart. Let me say this. I don't know if he's healing your marriage. Some of you, he's healing your marriage. Others of you, he's healing your heart, and he's bringing forgiveness to your entire environment. He's doing what you've tried to do for years and you couldn't do, and I just want to say you love again. You can love again. You can't. You're no longer under the curse of your bad behavior. Jesus is stepping in and saying, I forgive you. Maybe you're the person who committed adultery and you're like, I'm so sorry, but it's been so many years and my wife, my husband, they're remarried and God's stepping into your situation and saying, I forgive you. You're released, you're, you're forgiven. And I just bless you right now in Jesus' name. May the Lord heal every person who stood tonight. May he heal your broken heart. And may you go home like the Samaritan woman who said, I'm going to go tell the whole city what Jesus did for me. You can sit. Isn't it interesting what she said to the city? I found a man who knows everything about me. I found a man who knows me. I feel so known by this man. I have a few more um, prophetic words. Let's see if they're in anybody's uh, in here. I feel like the Lord's healing somebody that you were in a sports accident and it, uh, it, it did something. It, I think you were in an accident that, uh, that, that did something to your testicles. And they said, You'll never have children. And the Lord's healing you right now. If you're in here, I don't know if you'd be embarrassed to stand. But if you'd stand, I want to release healing on you. Is that the person? If you're in here, I want to just release healing on you. If you're in another room or in upstairs. Yeah, it's okay. We got to be grown-ups here. Lord, we just release this word right now that you would restore this man's testicles and his ability to reproduce in Jesus name we release that right now thank you Lord and there is there, there, a man in here also another man you had a dream of being a pro basketball player but you blew out your left knee and it, it just destroyed your, your career is that somebody in this room if you would stand up I want to pray for you right now because I believe that God has a word for you if that's you would you stand up There anybody in here with that? Okay. Anybody want to be? That's right. Huh? Oh, thank you, um, Lord. I just bless this man right now in Jesus' name, and I, I just release complete and total restoration over his life, Lord. That you would restore him, that you would that you would re- reinstate his identity, and Father, I thank you that our identity is not what we in what we do, but it's in who you are and who you are in us. And Lord, I just release this to this man in Jesus' name, and I bless what you're doing in him, in Jesus' name, Amen. Um, someone had—did someone in here run into a pole uh, uh, with the right side of your head and face, and it's like never—it kind of messed up your like foggy brain. Is that you? Okay. Is there anyone else in here? Okay, just lay your hands on her right there, Lord. We just release. Healing over this woman right now in Jesus' name, that you would restore her, that you would restore her physically, that you'd st- restore her mind. And uh, I think it's long enough ago that the Lord would just restore your history too, and about something about jinxes and curses and things keep happening to you. And we just say no, and that the blessing of the Lord is on you, and that He would uh, guide you and He'd protect you, and He would protect you from. Accidents and even sitting at stoplights and being hit by cars and all this crazy stuff, I just bless what God's doing to you in Jesus name. Amen. the time. Um, I, I, I'm supposed to pray for this person. I believe I'm, it's another man, but is there a businessman in here? your childhood friend ran away? Uh, Like, you did business together, but then he betrayed you and left you in a financial mess. I'm supposed to release financial blessing on you. Would you stand, please? Um, You know uh, about magnets, right? You take two magnets, and you put them, like, uh, in one direction, and they attract, and you turn them the other way, and they distract. And I saw the Lord flipping the magnets so that wealth is attracted to you. And, uh... Oh, you too, good. And uh, I'll I'll finish with him, then I'll get you personally, okay? And I saw the Lord tell me that over the next 17 months, everything that was taken, lost, stolen, that that's going to be returned to you. And then by the 18th month, you're going to start getting double interest on it. And so I bless what the Lord's doing in you financially. And uh, I I think there's like a forget like. Maybe you've already done this, so if this is not you, then you can just go. But I feel like there's like a forgiveness that's supposed to be released through you, to your friend. Like I feel like even though he betrayed you, I feel like you're supposed to just. If maybe if you've done this already, then it's all cool. But write him a letter or pick up the phone, and I feel like this is your act of faith. Like I forgive you. You don't owe me anything. Jesus uh, has is paying me back. And, uh, and I just release that to you in Jesus' name. And um, I, uh, I see that whatever happened with that friend, it's like a whole fallout of other people. And I feel like there's a, there's a spirit of restitution and reconciliation on you. And I bless what the Lord's doing in you. And on you, and I feel like there's another idea coming that's better than your first idea, by tenfold. It's better, than, like, you're going to be, like, I'm so glad we, we that, I'm not in that anymore, because this is amazing. And I feel like Ben was talking about dreams uh, on, on the, on the um, trailer there, and I feel like you're going to have, like, a dream. Well, you're not going to actually be asleep, so I'd say a vision that the Lord begins to interact with you and he gives you this idea that opens up the door and then you're going to have a relational connection with somebody that helps that idea to happen. So you're going to have the right person and if this is the right time, it's the right idea and then there's going to be like finances that flow in it from the person that you connect with who's going to be a good partner with you And and I bless what happens to you over the next three years that the God that God restores it, He restores this whole community of people. That you, I don't know if you've been ostracized or something in that in that group, but I just bless what God's doing you in Jesus' name. Amen. That's a good word. Okay. Um, I like. Is, is there? I don't know if this woman's in here, but is there a woman who's pregnant or was? recently pregnant, and your husband suddenly passed away? Is there somebody in the room that have that happen? Would you stand, please? I have a word for you. Okay. I'm going to give this word, because I I feel strongly that this is the right word. It might be someone in another room, or it might be somebody that's online, or maybe someone will watch it later. But I, I, I feel like the Lord is your husband... And it feels like he's providing for you not just subsidence, but also love and peace. And it's like uh, it's it's, uh, 1 Corinthians 7 that he's your husband and he's giving you grace for this season. But there's another man coming who's going to take care of you. And And the Lord's removing the curse kind of feeling like you're not cursed, but you have this feeling like, I don't know, something happened to my husband, it'll happen again. I don't want to ever be in a situation. And I want to say, no, the Lord's bringing a father to your your child, and he's bringing grace to you to believe again that you will love again and that it will be a safe, long, 50-year marriage. And so we bless you in Jesus' name. That's a good word. Um, uh, uh, is it okay to keep going? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I have never done this in the history, 25 years I've been here, but I feel like there are people here that God's called you to come to BSSM. I heard this morning that God's just calling you out of your boat. And I feel like there's a bunch of you like, I don't know how I'd fund that, I don't know how I'd do that. But I think we're supposed to pray for you. Would you stand if you're in the room? What? Yeah. I feel like we're supposed to have a hundred people. Hey, listen, uh, some of you are older. Like we want old people. We want really old people like Bill. We want younger people like me. And really young people. Now on a serious note, we have, last year we graduated an 80-year-old. We have, we, we, want, we, we have worked hard for 25 years to have the multi-generational school where there's young, middle-aged, you know, get the whole idea. But I just believe that, that I have faith that God's going to do something to provide for you, you know, money and, you know, you got kids. We have several people in our school that have four kids. I mean, they're just like left everything to come. My wife, I, I, I don't know if you, this crowd knows this, but my wife has Parkinson's. And uh, we, we ended up interacting with this neurologist that's a believer. This is like four years ago. Her name's Karen. She lived in the, on the, uh, in the, in the um, middle of America. I'm trying to think of what the city, what, what state, Indiana. And uh, she's one of the top neurologists in the nation. She was in a, a group with five other, four other people And her daughter came here, got so touched that Karen and her husband and all of her kids quit their practice and moved here. Yeah, she went to two years of school ministry and just opened a practice last year here. And so I just want to say, you can do this. If God's called you, he's provision. God is provision. So I just release faith on you. People are standing in the other room. I release faith on them. People are standing and on online, we just say yes and amen. We pray that God would provide. We pray that you would be able to leave your boat and follow Christ, that this would be a radical departure not just for you, but for your kids, for your family. Some of your kids come to BCS. By the way, BCS teaches kids the supernatural. Well, it teaches them how to spell. <laughs> I know, I never learned either one in school, but anyway. So we just bless what God's doing to you. We bless the faith of you just even standing and saying, "Yeah, that's God's calling me." Okay, you can sit. I bless you guys. You know, there's four or five couples that didn't stand when I was walking around this week. I saw you in school, and I'm like, you're supposed to come too. So those of you that didn't stand, the Lord says, You should have stood. But there's no condemnation. Sometimes you don't think you're supposed to come, but because you're, anyway, but the Lord goes, yeah, I'll talk to you tonight in a dream. (laughs) Turn to Isaiah 6, please. I gave this a little title tonight. The Jesus Revolution is coming to a city near you. I've shared part of this message, we'll just see where it goes tonight. Isaiah 6 verse 1, Lord we pray that you would bless this word tonight, it would be deep in our hearts, Lord we, didn't, we wouldn't just hear words, but we'd have encounters tonight. Yes. Verse 1, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And the one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. The foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of him who called out while well, the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am marooned, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. And he touched my lips with it and said, Behold, This has touched your lips and your iniquity is taken away and your sin is forgiven. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Right now, I think this is a very popular scripture. I I think I've heard three or four people just in the last couple months teach on this very verse. I understand that Uzziah. I don't know if you know who Uzziah, King Uzziah, was a great king. He loved God, and uh, he had, uh, and and I think it was Zechariah was his pastor, his priest. I think it was Zechariah. And when Zechariah died, Uzziah began to be really arrogant and prideful. And Uzziah was one of the best kings. He was actually famous. For inventing war machines that kept Israel safe, and he was like he was like Solomon in his Solomon's early days. He was a king who became famous because God so blessed him. But when his fr- when his friend, the priest, died, something happened to him. Uh, there's a I, I've heard a couple of messages about uh, the fact that this relationship they had was a very like bonded, close friendship, but also the priest really confronted Uzziah. He wasn't just a king, he was like a consultant who was trusted, a man who kind of mentored him in God. And Uzziah ends up being airily arrogant and prideful, and he goes into the temple one day where only the priests were supposed to go, offering sacrifices and he ends up with leprosy. And he dies, they isolate him, and he spends the rest of his life as a leper. And so when, when, when Isaiah says, when King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, the references to it didn't feel like just Uzziah died, it felt like hope for the nation died. It felt like our hope was in Uzziah. Uzziah was a godly king. Uzziah turned the nation back to God. I think he, he reigned for a long time. I'm sorry, I should have looked up the reference, but for like 40 years. And the nation prospered under Uzziah. So when the king Uzziah died, Isaiah was saying it felt like hope passed. Uzziah is dead. The hope for our nation is gone And then he says, but I saw the Lord. And he was high and lifted up, and the Lord begins to speak to Isaiah. And immediately, Isaiah's first response was, I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live among a whole people of unclean lips. One of the messages I heard just a few weeks ago on this, that... My friend was saying, I don't think he was talking about, I cuss. I think he was talking about, I've given up hope and I begin to talk like the unbelievers who grumble about the day. I live as a man that has no hope. And I live among a whole nation that has lost hope. I I have uh, been a part of many movements. It's one of the, of the privileges of being old. <laughs> I have to say, I don't remember them all. <laughs> uh, I was part of the Jesus movement. I was part of the charismatic movement. And then um, my best friend was, father was a Pentecostal pastor, so I got to be a part of that for a while. And then, you know, when we came to Weaverville, we part of what was happening. Uh, they call it the Manifest Sons of God. Some of you were old enough to might remember that and we were a part of what was going on with the worship movement in um, Portland, Bible Temple. And some, anybody know those guys? And then we, were, we also got the privilege of being with Morningstar and the whole prophetic movement with, uh, with Bob Jones. Bob Jones became a spiritual father to me. He was crazy. I told some Bob St- Jones stories during the conference, and uh, we, we got to be good, really good friends. Larry Randolph, Paul Kane, um, Bobby Connors, and obviously Rick Joyner. And we got to be a part of that movement, and we used to go out there a couple times a year. And then we got to be a part of the Toronto and the Brownsville movement, which was beautiful. And Bill tells a story about having you know an encounter with the Lord that lasted all night, started at 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I, 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 I very seldom tell a story. Actually, I wanted Kathy to come tonight and tell a story, but we were... Uh, When they came back, when uh, Bill and Benny went to Toronto, they were the only two that went originally. They just, the two of them went because they heard about the craziness there. I don't even remember if they told us they were going. And by the way, uh, Bill and Benny have been our closest friends. Like, we actually lived with them for six months. Our kids dated one another. (laughs) We thought we were going to be Johnsons, but it's okay. We got 12 grandkids, and we're working on that right now. We were, we were. We've been very close, we've been with Bill for 45 years. And so they went to Toronto and they came back and Bill didn't say a lot about it at first, but I think it was the week he came back and I know that memories are not accurate because Kathy wrote a book about our encounters and I edited that book and I'm like, no, that's not how that happened. She's like, yeah, that is. I said, well, I have a different another book. She's like, you need to edit your book. So uh, you know, I I know that your memory is not perfectly accurate, but I think it was the it was right soon after Bill and Benny came back that Kathy was our main worship leader for a lot of years in Weaverville. And one Sunday after Bill and Benny had gotten back from Toronto, she was leading worship, and spontaneously she fell over the keyboard. Like my wife is like the non-emotional. Like I'm the one who cries all the time. I have menopause. When she went through menopause, I cried. And I had night sweats with her. Like, she's a non-emotional woman. She falls over the keyboard, and she's laughing hysterically. We'd never seen anything like that. And our, you know, our church of, like, 200, just, like, everybody knows her, right? Like, by this time, we've been there already, like, 15 years. So they're looking like, like... Did she have a stroke? What happened? And she's, and she's laughing hysterically. And Bill reaches over and flips the switch off for the keyboard. And I'm like, I'm like four rows back. We're in the theater with bolted down seats on a slant. And I'm like, what? What just happened to my wife? And of course, my kids are all there like, what happened to mommy? I'm, I have no clue what's going on right now. And she's, like, completely drunk. (laughs) Only person in the whole church. (laughs) Completely drunk. Laughing hysterically. And so, you know, I have to carry her to the car. And we put her in the car, and shes I remember for this part, it was football season. All the guys come to my house, watch the 49ers play, and she cooks for us, so it ruined the whole season. (laughs) Because she would be on the couch laughing even when like, the quarterback got sacked. She's still laughing. Like, that, that ain't funny. So you know, we did that. And, and like every time the presence of the Lord would show up anywhere, like it didn't have to be in church, she would just instantly fall on the ground laughing. This went on for like over a year. Well, we go, So, so on uh, Tuesday is our elders' meeting. So I get to the elders meeting, and Tom, one of my, our closest friends who's in our home group, he's angry. And he's like, that's not God. And he's arguing that it's not God, and he's getting, like, he's got, he's stayed up all night, you know, finding all these scriptures. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, like, I'm glad it happened to me, because I would be with Tom. Except for it's my wife who's continually drunk at my house. And Bill, you know, Bill doesn't argue. Bill doesn't argue. Bill just kind of looks at you like, you always feel stupid. Like Bill has this weird, like you guys don't know Bill very well. Like Bill has this way of looking at you without words that makes you feel like he said a whole bunch of words. The whole team on the front row knows what I'm talking about. He'll just like... And this is totally off subject, but I remember having this dialogue for two hours one day. This is a passionate dialogue with our senior leadership team. I don't know how many people were in the room, like 12 or 14. And we were talking about how to build our church. And Bill's sitting there quietly, just looking at us. Like literally, he didn't say a word for an hour and a half. And finally, I thought, well, maybe I should inspire him. And I said, do you have anything to say? And he said, I don't want to build a big church. I just want to build big people. I'm like, that's what that would be my point, the point I was trying to make. <laughs> Our leadership team knows, right? This is like, this is it right there. I'm like, it would have been nice if you would have said that up front, and then we wouldn't know all feel stupid. So Tom says, well, I, I don't feel like that's the Lord, and now, you know, I got, and he's reading all these scriptures about you know false prophets and about false teachers and uh, false experiences and you know all this stuff, and I don't know, encountering donkeys. I don't I don't even know what he's saying. And you know, and I'm getting angry, not because I have a theological argument, but because my wife—you're talking about my wife, you know. So anyway, we get to church next. So that was Tuesday. So on Sunday, we're just worshiping, and you know, my, you know I'm, I'm like, baby, you know, turn, it, yeah, get away from the keyboard if this happens again. <laughs> and in the middle of worship, we have now. I got to explain this part to you. We're in the theater. I said this. This, we're on the seats are all on a slant, and they're bolted down. And, they, and they're the kind when you get up, they pop up. So there's, there's not very much room between the seats, right? So right in the middle of worship, we're like 30, 40 minutes into worship, the Holy Spirit falls on Tom, only on Tom. <laughs> He's six foot four and skinny, and he falls down between the seats, and he doesn't have like the laughter, he has full on electrical current going through his body. And he's going. (laughs) Like this is a highly educated, cerebral, brilliant man. And he's on the floor and he is, his knees are hitting the bolted down seats. And he's three three rows in front of me. And I get up and I walk over to him and he's laid out on the floor and his children have moved to give him room and his wife. And I go, I don't feel like that's the Lord. And he looks up at me and he goes, shut up, Alton. And the next Sunday, the only people touched in the service was his two daughters. And they both went home drunk. So for a year, every time I saw Tom, I go, I don't think that's the Lord. That was our greeting. I don't think that's the Lord. I don't think that's the Lord. I don't think that's the Lord. So I've got to be a part like all the way into my home of some crazy stuff. I remember being in this sanctuary, it was just Bill and I and Kathy, it was during a conference, everyone had left, and we were just standing, Bill and I were standing inside the inside right back there, we were standing right back there, and we were just talking about practical stuff like who's gonna teach Ness, who who do you want to, whatever we were doing. It was just it was just practical, and we weren't talking about the Lord. And my wife's standing there waiting for me because we're supposed to go to lunch. And all of a sudden she looks up and she goes, who hit me in the back? (laughs) And Bill goes, hit you in the back? It's three of us and we're six feet from you. She goes, well, somebody hit me before she could finish. Down on the ground, she went again. So much for lunch. I carried her out to the car and took her home. Crazy times. Bill used to say, so we had, we had meetings on Friday night, Saturday night at one point, and Sunday night, plus our normal day meetings. And Bill would always say, Holy Spirit doesn't start moving until after midnight. <laughs> I gained 25 pounds that year because we would go till two in the morning, then we'd go to Black Bear and eat. So you know how the anointing is connected with fatness? (laughs) I was anointed. And I've seen a lot of people touched by the Lord. I can tell you, I've carried out, oh, I don't know. Again, memory's not accurate because it's over a long period of time, but at least a hundred people I've carried out in trances. I mean, trances like like little children that were i don 't know how to explain it, but they were like in heaven, unconscious, like they were asleep, but you couldn 't wake them and they were in, and they were and they 'd be saying things, but they didn't know you were present i 've carried so many of them out, wheeled them out in wheelchairs, Holy Spirit ministering to them. I remember when we were in Weaverville, and uh, my junior high youth pastor who I led to the Lord had two young daughters. And one of them uh, during a a revival meeting we were doing with Dick Joyce got touched by the Lord and she went out in the spirit. She was eight years old and she was completely gone like in a trance. And she was describing heaven while she's out. And we picked her up and we put her in her car, in his car, and they put her to bed and she was talking all through the night in a trance. Finally woke up at like 8, 9 o'clock in the morning. She was in a trance like 8, 9, 10 hours, 12 hours. Um, so so, so I, I have the privilege of a long history of watching different revivals and how it affects infects people and cultures and sometimes how it doesn't if I could say that. that. That little girl that got carried out, my junior high youth pastor, he's an atheist, doesn't believe in God today. Neither does his daughter, who was... Sometimes we say, if someone had an encounter, it would change their life. And I want to say, sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. And what I'm getting at is that what you do with what you get matters. I I want to tell you that some of the worst character people had some of the longest and most continual manifestations. Like during the renewal. I mean, you get to know people when you're in a small town, and you get to know people when there's only a thousand people here and you're with them for hours every week, and you realize like that person is a chronic liar, beats his wife, mistreats his children, comes here and lays on the floor, has powerful manifestations, and goes home, and it doesn't improve his home. Now, listen, I could tell you hundreds of stories in which people had an encounter and turned their life around, hundreds, but I'm sharing with you something for a reason. What happens to you matters but what happens in you matters more. What you do with what you receive matters more. I was in—I was—I was, I was in—I uh, don't want to tell you where, but you would know this place. One of the main revival centers during the renewal. I was two blocks from the church and had never been there, and I stopped at a service station, two blocks from the church, not knowing. You know, it's before GPS. So, you know, you have a map, and you're like, here somewhere. And so I stop at the service station, and this church is famous. People fly from all over the world. More than six million people had been there. And I stop at this service station, and I say, hey, can you help me? This is the address. Do you know about this church? And he goes, what's the name of the church? I told him. He says, I've never heard of it. I said, well, they're having, a you know, like these revivalists. He goes, I've never heard of that. He asked everybody in the station, four or five workers, they've never heard of it. Come to find out, I'm two blocks from the church. Like this revival never left the city. It never touched the people two blocks from it. Millions of people came to this place and this guy couldn't find a person who worked there who had ever heard of it. I'm saying, what we do with what we get matters. What we do with what we get matters. And sometimes, I, what I, I, I th- listen, I, I hope that you're getting something out of this that isn't negative, because I, I don't feel negative. I feel like a father who's been here so many times. I'm like, I would love for this revival to turn into a reformation that becomes a renaissance. Because I see, you know, like Isaiah's like, I see the Lord. He's having an open vision. He's high and lifted up, and he has this crazy encounter. And the first thing he says is, I got issues. I got issues. There's something about real encounters that cause you to see God the way he is. And when you see him the way he is, you suddenly see you the way you are. But the good thing about it is, if you'll stay there, he'll take care of the way you see you. Are you with me? Like, like, I think, okay, this is now this is my own opinion. I think Isaiah had issues that he didn't know he had. Because there was no conviction for his, he said, I have unclean lips. There's there's no conviction because there's no grace to change him. There's no coal to change him. And I think that when God comes in revival, it opens the door of grace for you to change. Don't clap yet, because it also gives you responsibility for something. To whom much is given, much is required. Are you with me? I'm saying I think that when God reveals himself in a revelatory way, like he's, I'm going to show you more of me, it's going to require more of you. Are you with me? And what I see, is that people who had encounters, but they didn't make the sacrifice. They saw themselves as unclean, but they didn't get, they didn't ask for the forgiveness. Are you with me? And I, I think that this, this is my, this is, i am been prophesying for two years, you can go back and listen to it, that the Lord's going to touch the universities because he is going to bring truth where universities have become doctrinal, the indoctrinational centers. And God's going to bring truth back to universities. And I believe that God doesn't want to just touch universities. He wants to bring truth into the educational system Because universities have become indoctrinational centers where we send our kids as Christians and they come out as humanists. We send them in there as holy and noble and they come out with other things going on. And I believe that the Lord wants to restore truth. And I think that he's going to take this call, are you with me? And he's going to put it on the lips of our educators, of our principals. Here's a big one. He's going to put it on the office of education at the highest level of government. And we're going to see a shift in truth. There's a Jesus movement coming to our universities that isn't just about falling and shaking. But by, by the way, I love falling and shaking. Like everything I'm saying is good, but it's, it's God. Like I love, you know, I was sitting with a newspaper lady this week and she's, a, um, she's, a, she's questioning reality. And she's like, why the gold, and why the feathers, and why the... And I'm like, I don't know. All that stuff happens. But what matters to me is that people leave change. I love people. I want to see people changed. Are you with me? So I'm like, I'm seeing the... Is it Ashbury? Is that how you say it? Asbury. I know it's wrong, but... I, Asbury. And, and, you know, that's the beginning of several, right? I mean, we're going to see, this is going to get really big. This is going to be like the coronavirus in the Holy Ghost on steroids. It's going to spread. I prophesied last two years ago and so so did several others, by the way. I'm not the only one. When the Holy Spirit's doing something, He does it with everybody, right? But, but I, I, I prophesied that the, the, that the Lord was not doing, an, from the top down, revival next. It wasn't going to come from the political world. So if you're looking like, I hope Joe becomes, or Mary or Henry become, I realize we have a president, Joe. And I, <laughs> I was trying to be really neutral. Like, whoever you have faith in, sorry, I didn't mean any disrespect to President Biden, I was just trying to say, whoever you have a lot of like, this guy's going to get, it's like Uzziah's lost hope. I mean Uzziah, Isaiah lost hope because Uzziah, his hope is in Uzziah. And God's like, your hope needs to be in me. And I believe this is a grassroots revival. It's like Amos. You know, Amos was a farmer and he was prophesying about a move of God. Are you with me? Joel, these guys were not... These guys were not uh, royal people in the palace like Daniel and Joseph and Esther and these guys that we, that we love. These guys, were, they were farmers. They were peasants. But the word of the Lord was coming to them. I'm saying that God was doing up-down and now he's doing down-up. Like you're going to see the Jesus movement was broken people, hippies, people that, you know, people, the society goes, those guys are lost. Those guys, God can't move on those guys. And God goes, "Watch me. Watch me move." And I, I think we're going to see a grassroots revival. So here's my fatherly advice and my concern, and it should be our prayer. This has to be an encounter that leads to transformation of people, of institutions, of cities. And you're like, "Oh God says, no, God wants us to ultimately disciple nations." You'll remember the Apostle Paul, who was first Saul, right? He had an encounter with God, and God says to him, Ananias, he sends Ananias, and Ananias, God says to Ananias, tell him this, tell him that he's going to be, he's going to influence the Gentiles, kings, and he's going to suffer much for my name. You remember this? The book of Acts, about halfway through the book of Acts, is a story of Paul trying to talk to Caesar. And finally, he figures out the strategy. I'll get arrested. I'll get arrested, and that way I'll see Caesar. And in Colossians, he writes this to the Colossians in the last chapter. He greets them. He goes, greeting you from Caesar's house. What I'm getting at is God cares about kings. He also cares about the broken. He cares about the hippie. He cares about, you you know... under the bridge, the homeless. He cares about them all. But with Paul, God goes, you are going to minister to the Gentiles. By the way, isn't it interesting that Paul's qualified to minister to the Jews? He hates the Gentiles. God goes, that's why you'll be the apostle to the Gentiles. God, I'm not good at this. And he goes, that's the point. Some of you, like, you studied your whole life. It's a metaphor. To learn about the Jews. And God goes awesome, so brilliant. We won't be using you there. <laughs> I love this. You know, you, you take this academic test that tells you where your strengths are and God goes, that's awesome. We love those strengths we gave you. We won't be using you there. And God goes, you're going to get a job doing this. You're like, that's not what I'm good at. He goes, I know, that's what I'm good at. It's not about you showing up, it's about me showing up. I remember I was standing right in the back of that right back there right at the wall and it was during a conference and this uh was after or right before a conference started right before the session started i was just standing back there greeting people this lady comes up to me and she's she's an older lady and she's she's shaking and she goes i have a word for you i'm so scared to give it to you this is like 20 years ago i said what is it she goes oh i'm so scared i'm lady just give me the word There's an anointing on you like C.S. Lewis, and you're going to write books, and God says he's going to give you revelation, (laughs) and I'm like trying to not laugh, you know, and somebody's like, oh, you know, so cute, but that ain't me, word, you know, and so she kind of looks at my face, and I said, you know, abruptly, like, oh gosh, I must have got it wrong, I said, oh, no, you know, we believe in miracles, but it'd be a miracle, because I can't type, I can't write, you know, I, uh, I can't spell. And then a year later, the, I'm sitting at my desk just messing around, and the Lord says, Okay, you're going to write a book. <laughs> so be good. I'll, I'll tell you how bad my spelling and my skills were when I started. So the Lord told me to get a computer and start writing. So I, someone taught me how to use Word, and, but I, I've never typed before. So I kind of like, boop, 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 boop. I use all my fingers because I know you're supposed to, but. <laughs> And I'd written like a chapter or two. And Kathy got up and, she, and I used to get up early to do it. She's, we had this little spot that I did it in. And she comes up and she, she's standing behind me. So I'm trying to act like I actually know what I'm doing. <laughs> Faster. And she watched me for like 10 minutes and then she goes, Hey, when that little box pops up and you, you, you it asks you if you want to save this, you're pushing yes. I'm like, yeah, it keeps popping up. And I push a yes, and it goes away. She's like, that's spell check. And it's asking you if you want to spell the word the way you spelt it wrong. And so for the next two years, I had all these words that would, re- would actually, I would spell something a little bit different, but then it would show me the, the word spelt wrong that I put in. I want to say this. And then when it underlined it like it was spelled wrong, but I'm like, well, must be good. <laughs> Pretty bad, but the Lord uses you where you're not good. Yeah. And then I was going to get a degree, and the Lord said to me, a guy the inner university said, I'm, they're going to give me a they're going to give me a um, honorary degree. So I I, did, I went through the process. I got one month from getting it, and the Lord said to me, You never asked me if you're getting a degree. I said, Could I get one? He said, No if you got a degree, people think you can do this, and we both know you can't. And he said, you're supposed to be a sign and a wonder. When people look at you, they're supposed to go, if you can do it, anyone can do it. Okay, back to the message. I'm old enough to be concerned that the encounter turns into clean lips and ascending. And I'm old enough to know that because you think it should, doesn't mean it does. That's my point. So I believe that what we're getting here to tonight, what we got in the conference, what you're getting on Sundays, what you're getting when you go back, what's going to happen with the, with, the, uh, with the revivalists springing up all over the place. I think that this is supposed to be a lasting revolution. And not just a touch from God. And so I I believe that there's something powerful happening. And I think that it's important for us to, if you're you're a father or mother in this renewal, I'm talking a long time. If If you're a father or mother in this renewal, I think it's important that you pastor this and shepherd it. One of the things I think happened during a spontaneous move of God is people stop pastoring it. They think, well, God's doing this all by himself. Don't touch it. And I'm like, well, don't control it. Don't control it. And and, and and do be led by the Spirit. Like, let the Holy Spirit move. And don't, don't quench the Spirit. And, 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 you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, like, let the Holy Spirit move, but don't think you have no responsibility. Because you do. Our teams have done an amazing job. I'm so proud of Leslie and... Barbara, and I'm missing all these folks right up here. All these guys. Like, I'm so proud of them because I've watched them learn from what we did right and also what we did wrong. And I'm watching Holy Spirit fall in, in nights in our, in our SLT. I can't even tell you how many times in the last year and a half that we're in a meeting, in our senior leadership meeting, we have this agenda, we're going through all the stuff we have to do. And then Holy Spirit falls, and we're like, okay, agenda aside. Sit together on the floor often, laughing, praying. Lord, if there's anything you want to do or say, and just waiting to see if there's, where should the banks be in the river so that it goes somewhere? Okay, good word. Okay, I I want to, there is uh, something else I want to say. So, Matthew 3, why don't you turn there? I had an encounter with the Lord. I've shared it now a couple times. I I wasn't going to share it at all, I didn't share it for months an encounter with the Lord about three, four months ago. It's really simple, but I was just about to go to sleep, and the Lord said, I, have a conversa- I want to have a conversation with you. I'm like, what is it? He said, I don't want you to cuss anymore. I'm like, Lord, I've done that for 68 years. He's like, I don't want you to cuss anymore. And he gave me Isaiah 61. I mean, Isaiah 6, 4, and uh, the passage there. He said, um, I'm moving in holiness and this next move of God is going to include holiness and conviction for sin. Yes. And I want you to stop. I want you to stop now. And you know, when you have a habit, it's a little bit, it's not, it seems like you're like, I'm good, good, okay, Lord, I'm good to go. But it's just been, when, when the Lord touches you, it's like easy to change. When he doesn't, I'm not saying you shouldn't change, but discipline's a lot harder than obedience. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, says, Now in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven's at hand. For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready. Everybody say, Make ready, make ready the, way the, the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And John himself, had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. And then Jerusalem was going out to him, and all Judea, and all the district around the Jordan, and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, who were you know, his dad's friends, his dad was the chief priest one year, coming, For baptism, he said, you brought a vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Therefore, bear fruit of keeping repentance and do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that these stones, that God from these stones, I'm sorry, I say to you that from these stones, God is able to raise up children of Abraham. And he goes on to give them a longer rebuke. Um, This feels a little bit uh, awkward, but I feel like this revival is going to include a John the Baptist kind of thing where there's going to be calls for repentance for our nation, for our people, for our citizens, for even Christians. I believe God's called us higher. I believe no matter where you're at, God's called us higher. Like when I say repentance, you're thinking like, yeah, this guy needs to repent. And I'm actually talking about you. I'm actually talking about you and me. I'm actually talking about finding a place of humility and realizing that there is more. And when we begin to be in the presence of God, when the presence, I'm sorry, we're always in the presence of God, when the presence of God manifests in power, it isn't just for the people you're praying for, it's for the people who are praying. That God wants a holy people. He's called Holy Spirit. (laughs) Am I killing you guys? Okay. And I I feel like, you know, in Malachi chapter 4, it says, in the last days I'm going to send Elijah the prophet. He's going to restore the hearts of fathers to sons and daughters, and hearts of sons and daughters to fathers, lest I smite the nation with a curse. And you probably know this, but this is the most fatherless generation in the history of the world that we know of, in which our fathers are alive but not home. 51% of all Americans right now are born out of wedlock. And I believe that this move of God is going to turn into a Malachi mandate. That's going to draw fathers back, sons and daughters back. I believe that God is not just touching institutions. He's restoring the family. And, I, and when, um, when the, the disciples went up to the Mount Transfiguration, there was Peter, James, and John. You remember the story? Am I boring you? When we went up to the Mount Transfiguration, um, they saw um, Moses, Elijah, of course, and Jesus. And it's interesting why they saw Moses, Elijah, and Jesus, right? Because Moses represents the law, and Elijah represents the prophets. And Peter says, let's build three temples. Let's build three churches for these three guys. And he gets interrupted by the father who says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. It's interesting when they come down from the mountain. They don't ask about Moses. They don't ask about the voice. But they ask about Elijah and they say um, the scriptures say Elijah's coming and Jesus said Elijah has already come but they didn't see him they didn't know him and it says disciples knew he was talking about John the Baptist and he says but he'll come again he's already come it was John the Baptist but he'll come again And I think that, this is the craziest thing I've preached in a long time. I just have a feeling that John the Baptist has to come. He prepares the way for a Jesus movement, and the preparing of the way is repentance. It makes the crooked places straight and the rough places smooth. John the Baptist had the anointing of Elijah according to Jesus. And every time I write this on social pages, go, we don't need Elijah, we need Jesus. And I'm like, I'm just quoting Jesus. So you need, your, your beef was with Jesus, not me. I'm quoting Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who said, he came and, and the disciples knew it was John, but he'll come again. And I believe that there's a John the Baptist slash Elijah, however you want to say it, we all know it's the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, right? There's only one Holy Spirit coming and that... That revival is a revival that's actually calling people out of sin and into a righteous life. <laughs> Whoa, here we go. I, 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 those of you that are clapping, remember he may visit you and say you're a man of unclean lips. You're a woman of unclean lips. I don't want this anymore. I don't want that thing anymore. I don't want you to watch that thing anymore. It, it isn't just do's and don'ts though. It's about a clean heart. It's about a clean heart. And don't be surprised if we start healing. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, I don't like this kind of preaching, but I-, I don't be surprised if there's some hellfire and brimstone kind of preaching. Now, I don't, I- I don't want to be that preacher. I've I- I preached one message on hell in 25 years, but I think that the fear of the Lord is gonna be injected in this movement. And I think people have to realize that there you have a free will but there are consequences to your free will that are eternal that you have a hundred years or so on this earth or let's say 70 whatever it is hopefully it's longer for you but the point is is that this is this is practice for eternity and what you do today is set you up for the next billion years so this on this side matters what you do here you only get one chance at this part and people are like, you, we've got people saying, well, God, you know, God loves people wouldn't send them to hell. Jesus died so that you wouldn't go to hell. He said, over my dead body, will you go to hell? I mean, he set everything up so you wouldn't even have to do it by your works. But you can still step over. You still have a free will. Again, you know, people like, well, God, if, you, if people encountered God, they would serve him. Well, One third of the angels. The angels encountered God for how many billions of years or hundreds of years? We don't know. Thousands of years. And one third of the angels. (laughs) Like, encounters don't necessarily change you. Like, you have a will. That will matters. What you do with what you get matters. Are you with me? So I, I believe that God's raising up the Elijah, John the Baptist, call it whatever you want. It's the crooked way, straight, rough place, smooth. And I, I'm not talking about, you know, I, I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> what do I know what I'm talking about? I, 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 I don't want us to move back to hellfire and brimstone preaching. I, I, was a, I wasn't a part of that, but I was, uh, it was there when I was a, a young man. And I'm like, I don't see that that moved people towards the kingdom. But I am talking about God confronting sin. That's what I'm actually talking about. And I wrote this uh, a month or two ago. John the Baptist was out of style and totally relevant. His clothes were detestable, his diet unpalatable, his message indigestible, yet his impact on history was undeniable. The son of a preacher conceived by a miracle, announced by an angel, anointed by a king, and filled with the spirit, and hated by the world. Yet John was born into desperate times, and desperate times call for desperate measures. The Romans, whose cultural values were steeped in Greek philosophy, absent of moral purity, and who were spiritually polytheist, ruled the Jews. The, Jews were, the Jewish spiritual leaders were also corrupt, self-centered narcissists who used religion to oppress their people, especially women. They led Israel out of relationship with God and into meaningless religious rituals. They had virtually no relationship with God. Thus the entire world was rotting from the inside out as immorality, and impurity, and dishonesty, dishonesty and corruption ate away at the souls of men and destroyed the very fabric of society. God was sending the Messiah to save the world, but he had to send John first to work on the heart roads of people. And I believe that God is sending this convicting spirit does working on the heart of people. I, I, it's interesting to me that in Acts chapter four, when the, how pouring of the Holy Spirit's coming so strong, people are selling their stuff and giving it to the poor, and this huge movement is happening, this movement of generosity. By the way, I don't think you have a real move of God that doesn't result in generosity. I don't think you can separate generosity from a true move of God. And it wasn't socialism. It wasn't forced on them. It was coming from the inside out. I mean, I think there's a counterfeit revival that happens when people take your stuff and force you to do what you don't want to do. But anyway, da-da-da-da, good point, Chris. Ananias and Sapphira sell their land like everyone's selling their land. There's this big movement. You can imagine you're part like a commune, communal move of God, and they sell their land Let's say they sell it for 100000 And they give 50000 Which is great. It's generous. But they frame it as if they did what everyone else was doing. Which was giving it all. And of course the outcome of that is they lied. Peter said you lied not to men but to the Holy Spirit. And Ananias and Sapphira both died. And I was thinking about this. And I've seen lots of people preach about the wrath of God. I'm like you know. And I don't think Manus and Nia's and went to hell. I just think there was such a pure movement that God did not want hypocrisy to live in the movement at all. I don't think it's that they lied. I think it's when they lied. I think they lied when the Holy Spirit was moving in purity. When he required all and they pretended to give all, but they didn't give it all. And Peter said to them, listen, when before you sold it, it was yours. Like You didn't have to sell it. And after you sold it, the money was still, like he's saying, you could have gave half. It was fine. But you wanted to look as if you were doing what everyone else was doing. And I think Peter's like, we are sick of 400 years of Pharisees who pretend to be righteous, fit in with righteousness, and at the same time, they are dead man's. They're they're whitewashed tombs full of dead man's bones. And we are not going to let you breed that into people. I am with you, but I'm really not with you. I'm doing what everyone else is doing, but I'm really not doing what everyone else is doing. And I think that this is a part that I, I believe that the Lord is moving powerfully with us, but it's going to require humility, honesty, and transparency. Wow. Yeah. Metaphorically speaking, if you're not ready to sacrifice all, just be honest. I'm not ready to sacrifice all. <laughs> That's That's just be authentic and real. Real with God, real with the people around you. And I think that you know when God's moving powerfully on people, people want to fit in. People ask all the time, like, well, I think people, some people just fall down. I just think they, yeah, whatever the fathers and mothers validate, other people will do that need attention. It's not because they're evil, it's because they want to be connected. How I many you know there's always real stuff happening with the fake stuff, and there's always fake stuff happening with the real stuff? But I think that the Lord wants to release his Holy Spirit on us. Okay, you can stand. Definitely not what I had planned. What I've noticed in my life, in my relationship with the Lord, what he's required of me is to be honest and authentic with him. I've been in this room, this very room, when John and Carol Arnott came, and every single person was slain in the spirit. Over 1,200 people. We had them in the hallways and extra rooms, because the room only holds about 900. And I'm the only person standing. Literally the only person standing, usually right about in the middle, standing up. And I can tell that everyone's on the floor, and I close my eyes. And I'm not falling. They labeled me as hard to receive. Can't even tell you how many, but this went on for 20 years. My wife is drunk, I get nothing. I can tell you that it doesn't feel too good to not be in the Fall Down Holy Spirit Club. But I said to the Lord, I don't care if everybody falls down. I'm not going down unless you do it. I will not have a pretend relationship with you. I just feel so much like the most important thing is to be authentic, to be honest with the Lord. I remember that Carol or not sat at my seat for three hours and put her finger right here and prayed for me. What was really weird is after that, people fall down when I pray for them, but I still don't. So I feel like I have the designated driver anointing. Statue of Liberty. Here I am. Holy Spirit moves. And um, I'm so thankful for whatever the Lord wants to do. It doesn't have to look like your neighbor. Right? Like when the Holy Spirit fell on Solomon, he got smart. When he fell on Samson, he got strong. When he fell on Basal, in the he was the first person to ever filled with the Spirit, he learned how he, he suddenly could carve in silver and gold and work in fabric. Like it's it's whatever the Holy Spirit's doing in you, it's all good. It doesn't have to look like what your neighbor has. If the Holy Spirit touches you and you shake and fall down and cry, that's oh, awesome. If nothing, if you feel nothing, I want to propose something still happening to you. It's just as profoundly as powerful for the people who have no manifestations. And I I propose you're having a manifestation. It's just not a physical one. So I just bless you right now. I just, why don't you just put your hands out like this. I don't even know how to end a mean like this. (laughs) Holy Spirit, I just pray for your, your fire to fall on this group of people. Lord, I pray that you would release your Holy Spirit over us. Lord, if there's areas in our life that you want, to, you want change, Lord, I thank you that in your spirit, there is freedom. There is freedom from stuff that we don't like about us that you just want to lift it off of us. There are, there's freedom from addictions and things we say, words we use, places we go, things we watch. Lord, I love it when you're convicting us Because when you convict us, you give us strength to change. And I bless this night in Jesus' name as a night where you shepherd your people. And I thank you for what you're doing across our nation. And may it spread to all the nations of the world. I see it spreading into Canada and Mexico next. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we bless that. We just pray that it would move into the universities of Canada and move into into the school system of, of um, Mexico. <laughs> See? That's good right there. I didn't do that, but I'm glad that she did. Or he did, or whatever it was uh, he or she. Thank you, Lord. I saw the cartel, this is a few days ago, being uh, head cartel, being led to the Lord and the cartel becoming oh, like the Saul's moving to Paul's in Mexico. And Lord, we just bless that right now. We just pray the Holy Spirit would come on the cartel. We pray they'd be like the Jesus hippies. That they would be... That we just start hearing stories about the cartel throwing away their drugs and leading people to Christ. And We pray for visions and dreams. Lord, we pray pray for President Biden. Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit would rest on on president biden and the the white house would turn into a revival house and lord we pray for california for our governor lord we pray that lord the holy spirit would fall on our governor and on his cabinet and on the people around him and and the educational system in our community in our in our state lord i just thank you for them i i pray lord that you would release your spirit on them right now I pray that there wouldn't be a person who isn't affected and infected by the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray, like the coronavirus, I pray that this would spread from person to person through the lips, through speech. Lord, I pray that it would be 10 times as potent. And I I pray they'd find no cure for it. Thank you, Lord. I see uh, this vision right now of uh, CNN, and there, the this lady is. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't watch too much news, so forgive me. But I see this brown-haired lady, and she's, she's uh, really beautiful, and she's sharing a story. And all of a sudden, she gets drunk in the spirit, and she's like, and she keeps saying to her fellow anchor, like, "I don't know what's happening. What's going on?" And she's, re- she's supposed to report on the revival, but then she becomes a part of it. and She's like, "I don't even believe this is happening to me." I see them like, cut, 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 and they're like, no, let it roll, and I feel like there's people that we've said, these people are outside of the salvation, like they're outside, like the Jews thought the Gentiles were outside, and we often think the opposite political party is outside, we, we think there's certain people that are outside, like it's, if God did that, it'd be like an extraordinary miracle, and God's like, those are the ones I'm going after. I'm going the one after the people you said can't get saved, won't get saved. And Lord, I, I see uh, CNN coming and doing a report here. I see them bringing a camera crew, and I see them camera crews on the ground, and Holy Spirit's moving on them. And, 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 and they're like, uh, uh, can you help us with the cameras? We're, we're having problems with, their, with our camera crews. And Lord, I just release right now Holy Spirit on the media. Lord, I pray the media would be the gossip bowls, the gossip bulls, that they would be gossiping about the gospel. They'd be the spreaders of the gospel. And people would turn on the news and they would be like, um, well, the only news we have today is that revival broke out in the, in, in, in the mall today and there was a disturbance and, uh, and Lord, I, I, yes, I, I, see, I see literally right now that fathers are going home. I see, I see fathers returning home. I see marriages being restored. I, I, I have this picture of uh, just, I, I mean tomorrow, of fathers waking up and going, man, what am I doing? I'm living with this girl. I've got three kids. I need to go home. I don't, know when I, I don't know how, how I'm going to do it. I just need to go home. And I see prodigal fathers. I see a big wave of prodigal fathers going home. And I just release this wave. Oh, this wave of prodigals going home. In Jesus' name. The reconciliation of families. I see the African-American um, uh, culture. Like, I see the Lord moving powerfully among the African-Americans. Um, uh, especially, um, not, not not especially, but also in the lower income areas, where I see those becoming uh, revival centers. Uh, I see revival centers springing up. In, um, I want to be respectful. I, I don't want my language to to offend anyone, so I want to be really careful. But I, I I just see the Holy Spirit moving among the African Americans in a way that is is a healing of generations of, of uh, slavery and uh, generations of, you know, um, poverty. And Lord, I just released that that on, on, uh, on my brothers and sisters, Lord. And uh, I, I just pray right now for you to move powerfully. I, I want to tell you about a vision I had a year and a half ago. I think I shared it here, but I saw the Lord... Uh, um, the immigrants that are crossing over in Tijuana and in Texas, I saw the Lord hiding uh, the kingdom in them. And I saw them coming specifically into California and they were bringing the kingdom. They were doing wonders and miracles and signs and they were shifting California towards purity, towards nobility. And so Lord, I release that over the Hondurans and the Mexicans and the Ecuadorians and all of these people that are crossing the border let them cross the border like the children of Israel cross the Jordan River. Lord, let them walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and let them spread that all over California. Lord, I bless what you're doing with the immigrants, Lord. You love immigrants. Coming across Canada too and, Lord, we just, and uh, coming out of Cuba. I see immigrants coming out of Cuba and a great move of God in Cuba. Lord, we just release that in Jesus' name. And two years from now, I see a a revival breaking out in China. I see a great revival. I see the number 24. I think it means months. And I see a great revival breaking out in China. And it's coming from Taiwan into China. So Lord, I pray that there be a restoration of relationship between Taiwan and China. And, And Lord, that there would be restitution. There would be restoration. I pray for the premier of China, to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And the move of God would just begin to sweep China. And it would start in the universities as it started here. It would move among the poor, and it would move among the wealthy and powerful there. In Jesus' name. Um, I've been praying for Elon Musk, so I want us to pray for... uh, Sorry, it's just someone the Lord put on my heart a couple years ago. Lord, I pray for Elon Musk right now. Lord, I love that man. I I don't know what happened to me, but I love that man. I pray that he'd have an encounter with God that would lead him into deep revelation of the nature of the Creator. And that he would know you not just as Creator, but he would know you as Lord. He would know you as Savior. He would know you as Redeemer. Lord, I pray that he'd have a Holy Spirit encounter like Bill Johnson had. Lord, that you would touch him in the night, that he would wake being shaken, that everything that's not of you would be shaken off of him, Lord, that he would know the love of God that surpasses understanding. Lord, we bless that man. We thank you for his inventions and innovation. Lord, we thank you for the ideas that you've given him. We bless what you're doing through him, but Lord, we want you to do something powerful in him. Thank you, Lord. We bless what's happening right now. Indonesia, there's a great revival coming in Indonesia. Lord, we release Your Spirit into Indonesia right there. It's a red river. It's a red river. It's a it's a it's a salvation. uh, It's a salvation revival. It's a it's it's thousands getting saved. Is that a Muslim nation? I don't know. uh, Lord, we just release a salvation river flowing through Indonesia right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And we thank you for the revival that's happening in Cambodia. We just release that in Cambodia right now. In Jesus' name. That you would double down on Cambodia. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Shoosh. Mm, Venezuela. I, I think, I don't know why, but it feels like Venezuela has some kind of spiritual roots. that, Like a digging of wells. Whatever that is, Lord, we just release the Holy Spirit in Venezuela. We pray, God, that You would break the corruption and that You would destroy corruption. That You would break corruption. That You would destroy corruption. That You would break corruption. That You would destroy corruption. And I see John the Baptist calling people uh, that God raised up like a human. It's a person, but that the Lord puts anointing on them to call. The, uh, to call them back to righteousness and godliness and government and we just bless that right now and in brazil this uh, we thank you for brazil and we just released an anointing over brazil right now we just released an it there's a great revival going on in brazil by the way and uh got to be a part of it lord let god arise and let his enemies be scattered in jesus name and lord we pray for a holy move of god We pray for holiness and conviction to come over Brazil, in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. To stay connected, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter at chrisvallatin.com forward slash subscribe. God bless you.